Hello, good evening, and welcome to the latest edition of the Game is About Glory Summer Pod Specials. Tonight, we will be catching up on what has been happening at the 2020 European Championships in 2021, where Turkey have already been stuffed, Hungary edged out in the final minutes of a match, and Italy took off like a flaming comet, only to nearly get nobbled by Austria. England have yet to concede a goal and top their group, yet they've only scored two, and Kane has none. Are we in too much of a hurry to write him off? Will he end up giving Germany a ruddy good caning on Tuesday? Or will football be coming home by virtue of a quiet bus ride home from Wembley to the Team HQ before everyone toddles off for an early summer holiday? We'll discuss it all and of course be sure to touch on Denmark's ascendant energy, which included destroying Wales, their ability to shapeshift several times during matches and the miracle of Christian the Lion. How happy we are that Christian appears to be doing so well. Could they be the surprise of the tournament? We will also have a little bit of fun by suggesting three new rules which could be implemented in the beautiful game next season. And after a brief, or as brief as we get anyway, discussion, one will be chosen. Whether anyone in the FA, UEFA or FIFA hears us will be another matter. I am joined by Awesome Dawson and Milo. Good evening, gentlemen. How is your Sunday? Are you doing, Steph? Yeah. Hey, Steph. Well, good here. Very nice, very nice here. <laughs> very good. Yeah. It's Monday there. <laughs> my Monday morning my Monday morning was spent watching the Euros couldn't be better very good and uh, we've just recorded the first bit that's going to hit the floor uh, <laughs> haven't we because I just brought us down an alleyway that everyone's like what the fuck are you talking about let's start with the Euros and the the, the crushing question at the moment have we been enjoying it I've been loving it absolutely I say we've been chatting about this during the week Steph and we and, and during the games over the last couple of couple of evenings um yeah, it's been it's been good fun. I like seeing players that I don't normally get to see. Yeah, it's good fun. It's exceeded expectations as a tournament, hasn't it, lads? I mean, I think that we, first of all, came into it maybe wondering, you know, if there was going to be an ounce of energy left in these poor players, given the amount of extra football they've had to play. Um, mm. But it has been far from that, right? I mean, it's actually been really pretty vibrant and, and pretty colourful. The standard of football is good because this is the best quality international tournament really there is. I think the standard of the Euros should be better than the standard of the World Cup just due to the, the average world ranking of the teams in it. You know, we've kind of, we've just finished the group stage. We're into the main course now and we've got, we've got dessert to come in a week or two. Yeah, we all questioned uh, the extra teams, didn't we, Milo? The extra like expansion mm. of the tournament, but it has actually proven to not be a hindrance at all, right? Mm, I'm not too keen on the way the third place teams coming out of out of the groups worked. So I think it's made the draw a bit lopsided. I like having more teams there. I just don't like how they've done it, I think is what I'm trying to say. Right. And I mean, let's just briefly touch on this before we get into the nitty gritty of teams and players and surprises. Lads, which teams have you enjoyed watching the most so far? I was enjoying watching Holland until um, until they came out, came up against the Czechs and uh, an unfortunate red card last night. <laughs> that was unfortunate. That was nailed on. That was absolutely nailed on. You can't pull a man down and scoop the ball away at the same time and expect not to be um, mm. sent off. I'm not completely sold. I think I think it was pushing it as a clear goal scoring opportunity. Let's not let's not get too bogged down in details. What I will say is, I mean, I will say that I think in spirit it was the right decision because I just think that sort of stuff is naff and you should not you should not get away with it. Even though possibly it was a harsh interpretation of the rules, however, shouldn't get away with it. But so you were enjoying Holland. Who now? Who are you enjoying now? I'm hoping to enjoy England. I just want to see us play well, play to our potential once against Germany. Give us something. Give us something good to go on. I've been, been enjoying 
in Denmark, and I think we're all oh, we're all absolutely half Danish now, aren't we? So I think if um, I think the whole world, uh, the whole the whole, uh, the whole world, if your team goes out, or the whole continent, if your team goes out, you're Danish afterwards, aren't you? So I think Denmark have been fantastic, and you know, particularly when you think that the, you know the first game was stolen off them, really, and uh, you know, and then up, uh, after that they're up against Belgium. So you know, all things considered, and the um, the game against Russia was one of the best games of the tournament. You know, what was at stake there, and um, the way they played was fantastic and they were great again yesterday against Wales I've really enjoyed watching Wales in the tournament I think they've done really well it was a game too far for them yesterday but they've, they've, they've been good value I think our boys in the Welsh squad have done very well you mentioned Italy earlier on I think during the group stage they were great value and during the group stage looked the best team by a mile is whether you know whether that continues once we get to the knockouts they were less impressive last night and the, the other one I was going to say was that say the Czech Republic this is what I like about tournament football is seeing a team like the Czechs who you, there's a handful of players that, you, that you're familiar with from the Premier League but you probably don't watch um, you know the national team so much and uh, yeah it was a real joy watching them beat the Netherlands today I thought I thought they were well worth the victory and um, and they're going to be they're, they're going to be tough opponents that Czech Denmark game looks like a real cracker yeah I mean it's interesting first of all and going back to Italy which I think is, is is a really fascinating point because there's no doubt at all that Italy have been up until their game yesterday against Austria mm. absolutely on fire but of course like a few people I found myself wondering whether this is a shooting comet that's just going to burn out and mm. I wondered what would happen when Italy actually got some resistance and in fairness Austria really really knuckled down and really gave them a very tough game yet you know I think Italy already have one of the players of the tournament in Chiesa who I think has just been so exciting to uh, and and so dynamic and so unafraid to try things and to go for it and once again you know I think he was well he was quite obviously decisive but what really impressed me about Italy was you know when they got pegged back and you thought, ah, you know, they might let it go altogether here, they found they found the level to be yeah. sort of gritty. So they immediately uh, fortified themselves, in my opinion, as a firm favourite. And then you talk about Denmark. I mean, <laughs> come on, chaps. I mean, Damsgaard, what a, what a player. And, and as for Dolberg, who mm. I've got to be honest, there's sort of... He was a shining light, wasn't he, as a youth? And then he sort of drifted a bit and didn't really fulfil promise. And suddenly he's there. They're led by 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 care. By I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name. I apologise to all my Danish friends, including uh, my my best Danish friend, who has uh, I have to say turned me into some of a Danophile in the last uh, thirty <laughs> thirty odd years. He has. I mean, I I found myself. I love Denmark. I love the country. I, I love the people. I love their spirit. And actually, it is their spirit mm. which has which has overtaken them. So you're just saying about Dan. Guard. It was just um, his goal against uh, Russia was one of the highlights of the tournament, wasn't it? You know, obviously Stick's goal against Scotland is probably the uh, the one that's going to get replayed time and time again. But Damsgaard's goal against um, against Russia was absolutely out of this world, fantastic. Yeah, he's going to have a lot of people after him after this tournament, isn't he? He is. And what do we think of the fact that Denmark seem able? to pull a system out of their pocket mm. at any any juncture of any game in order to, to, to just get through it. Having lost their playmaker, obviously, as well. Like Talk about that. How would a lot of teams replace the player that is head and shoulders their best? We'll see. We'll see how far they go. I think once we get to um, crunch stage against a genuinely bigger, bigger country, I think they are going to probably struggle, but... We'll see. They're in the soft side of the draw, though, aren't they? So, mm-hmm. say you talk about the kind of tactical stuff, Steph. I thought um, Holman um, did an excellent job yesterday with um, the switch. It was Christensen, wasn't it? Putting him on Ramsey. Just completely robbed 
Wales of any um, forward momentum. That, yeah, Wales ended up looking a bit desperate after that, didn't they? Well, I mean, let's let's be honest. I I thought I think you rather overcooked Wales's performance. To be fair, I thought they looked uh, spirited up until that point, but they were really relying on two or three players, and they didn't really have much else for me. And uh, once Denmark adjust once once Denmark adjusted, I thought it was a very comfortable uh, situation for them. Uh, I think they really took advantage of Aaron Ramsey not having played much for his club all season, and ditto mm. Gareth Bale. I did think the referee was a bit dubious. Uh, he made a couple of dubious decisions, but that being said said Denmark were clearly clearly uh, the ascendant side from the 20th minute on and there was only one team that was going to win that game one of the games of the tournament for me was the um, Poland Sweden game the, so the last one in the knockout stages was absolutely cracking really really exciting stuff sure we should talk about Germany for a minute because it feels like they're on the ropes it feels like they're struggling but do we really believe that do we think they've got one final swing left in them uh, you know or are they simply you know uh, breathing you know the last cubic inches of rarefied air that they've enjoyed at international level i wouldn't read too much into the group stages i mean the group stages about getting out of the group i mean obviously they they only got out of the group by the skin of their teeth but once it gets to the knockout stages as we saw to you know today with the you know, czech republic yeah in that in that game you know you get surprises and and teams get better as tournaments go on so yeah if if, if germany beat england on tuesday then you know they'll get the winner out of sweden ukraine then uh the winner out of czech republic denmark so it's you know whether it's england or germany you know, as 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 routes through to a to a final go that's about as easy as you could expect you know that's not saying that i think they'll get to the final because you know it doesn't work like that but that's that's pretty soft it was very German of them to get that equaliser, wasn't it? That Goretzka equaliser against Hungary. I mean, the certain certain teams reliably pull off those uh, those key moments at the end of games, and Germany are probably probably one of the best at it. It's interesting. The one player that I look at with Germany that's vital at this stage of the tournament and the player that's just starting to really show himself again is Thomas Muller. He's mm. really taking a role as a... He's, mm. he's, he's, an, he's an elder statesman these days, obviously, um, and he's had his dips in form over the years, but you can never, ever doubt his, his willingness and his desire. I mean, I think he's, the, he's a player that I look at and you just know that he will bleed for the shirt. And I've got to be honest... A, a Thomas Muller coming into form frightens me, especially yep. with Wacom Love and this is his last tournament. That experience at this stage is going to be mm. so important. And so, yeah, that, they're, they're a fascinating side to me, Germany. And then France as well. I look at and I look at France and I just think you've got three more gears. I mean, does everyone agree with that? I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. The difficulty with that side of the draw is you've got a lot of good teams in there. And that could work one or two ways. They either get to the final absolutely firing because they've been really challenged along the way, or they you know they knock each other out and they're absolutely shattered by the time they get there you know if you look at france's route they beat switzerland you you, did, you think they're probably likely to play spain and then they're going to get the winner out of italy belgium that's a tough old route through isn't it that's a lot of games and you know as we saw with belgium's night also you were saying before we before we came on air with the injuries that belgium picked up tonight it's a tough route through and it's difficult to know what impact that's going to have it's squad strength and i do feel there yeah. are players who are going to write stories that we don't even know yet because we haven't really seen them uh, mm. i think that that's, I mean, I look at England and I'm going to flip to England for a minute and I look at the likes of Sancho and Jude Bellingham and I can't help but feel they have a major story to write.
night uh, uh, in this tournament. And I, I mean, I feel that Tuesday is is the perfect day for that story to be written. And I just wonder if Gareth Southgate will deploy either of them or if he's going to take the more pragmatic approach. And I know that there's been some discussion between us, you know, in our chat thread about, you know, taking that sort of tournament pragmatic approach versus, you know, looking to make statements. And uh, I think that being the romantic uh, it obviously precludes me from being a decent manager because I, I always want to see front foot football. But I do concede that it's quite possibly not the most practical way through this tournament. And is that still how it looks? Is that how it looks for England? Would you like to see a front foot England on Tuesday? Or would you like to see a more pragmatic England that just, you know, looks like they're going to get the job done somehow. What do you think about England in that sense, though, uh, Milo? Do you think it's a case of... I mean, I know that you're... I mean, you're much more of a pragmatist than... <laughs> anyway, no, no I, I, I mean, that's that's not I, in it. I'm not saying that in a disparaging way. I think it's it's the truth. And I think that there's... You may very well be right. I mean, as we saw today with the Czech Republic and, and the Netherlands, pragmatism is, is, is possibly the smart way to get through this tournament. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure I am a pragmatist. I mean, my, my preference would be playing front foot football as well. But I'm I'm interested in trying to understand what managers are trying to do, which is why I'm a bit standoffish when we start talking about how we'd line up and stuff, because it doesn't really matter what I do, because I'm never going to be near the job. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, in the knockout stages, what, what, what we have got, which is really good, is we've got a load of players on the bench, and, you know, you named a few of them there. Um, whichever time, team we put out, there's going to be some players on the bench who are real... Um, Real challenge, and I don't think there's a huge gulf between uh, the players who are starting and the players who will miss out. It looks like Mount's going to be available. You know, the choice between Mount and Grealish, you know, for all the clamour for Grealish, I mean, Mount's a really, really good player, and you know, he's got to a Champions League final and won, won it this season, so you know, he's no slouch. And you know, similarly, I thought Saka did really well when he when he played in the last game, but Foden is. Uh, you know, really, really exciting and really talented player. You know, similarly, you, know, you mentioned Sancho there, Sterling and Rashford. There's you know not a huge amount of difference between them in terms of quality. Um, you know, right the way through um, the team, I think um, there's some really good options there. You know, we talked about Henderson coming in; he came off the bench in this in the last game. So I, I think we've got uh, you know really good squad, some really good players. It's probably a bit early for us, but we've got options, and that's really good. Okay. Uh, one question for you, which I think will determine how we feel each of us England should approach the game. And by the way, Milo, for this one, I know that you, you just explained, and, and it's probably an important thing to explain, that you like to look at these things from the perspective of what the manager is going to do. I'm asking you to look at it from the perspective of what Milo, England manager, would do at this point. Um, Luke Shaw at left back or Kieran Trippier as a converted left back? Who do you start against Germany? Well, there's a lot of talk of him switching to three at the back and matching up Germany, isn't there? So Germany have played 3-4-3 through the tournament so far, and I think there's um, quite a few suggestions that he'll do the same, in which case I would assume that he's probably going to play Walker at right centre-back, which is something that he's done quite a bit in the past. I think whether Trippier starts... So Southgate likes to have uh, a lot of uh, free kick options on on the pitch and that's I think part of the reason why he started Trippier against uh, Croatia in the first game and that may well be a consideration again but if he's switching to three at the back I'm not sure you're going to be playing Trippier at left wing back right if he's picking him because he wants him as a free kick taker that probably means at right wing back but that probably plays to his strengths okay I mean awesome if we're playing if we're playing four at the back who do you what which player do you pick as a left back sure I don't. I don't like the balance of having a right-footed uh, left back in the team. I think it can be exploited 
I'd go Shaw over Trippier. I mean, the reason I asked the question, I should probably be a little clearer about it, is that I felt that actually uh, he picked Trippier in the first game for his experience. I thought he mm-hmm. wanted as much experience as he could get mm-hmm. on the field as possible. And he yeah. wanted to make sure, first and foremost, you don't concede goals. And so I think that if he was to start with a back four on, on Tuesday and have Trippier in there, you can pretty much guarantee that we're going to be digging in and picking them off uh, on the break. And if he plays Luke Shaw, I think you're going to see expansion. That's if he doesn't go to a three. <laughs> I think... Um... The other reason why he played um, Trippier at left back was because Maguire was out. So I yep. think I think the experience I think the experience thing was definitely there. And you've also broken the kind of club partnership on the left hand side of that defence anyway. So there's less reason for playing Shaw alongside Maguire, who are obviously used to each other and you know know each other well. I'm not Maguire's biggest fan, but I thought he did very well in the game against the Czech Republic and some of his balls forwards. Um, well, he played one absolutely brilliant pass yeah. to, to to Harry. He played a brilliant pass to Harry, our own Harry. That is. Let's make this little final England chit chat we have. You know, are we concerned about Harry's form? Uh, do we think that he is being bypassed by the system? Do we think that players are quote unquote not passing to him in all of this twaddle, or do we just think that you know it's going to happen? He'll find his way, and everyone should just you know sit down and 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 you know have a glass of wine or a cup of tea and just like take it easy. It's going to be fine. I really hope he does uh, silence the doubters. Um, I think there has been slight lack of service issue. But I also think in that first game, I think Croatia had, you know, two defenders on him half the time. If mm-hmm. if other teams have got to do that to negate his his goal threat, his clear improving goal threat, then, you know, there's benefit for your Sterlings and your Fodens. And it might mm-hmm. happen again against Germany. It's not been, you know, it's not been the tournament of his dreams, but we're still talking about a guy who is a, an excellent passer, an excellent build-up play um, participant, and mm. give him a chance, he probably will take it. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's probably f- fair to say that um, Sterling overlapping Kane has been quite successful. I mean, that's where our two goals have come from so far. So as a tactic, that's working quite well. I was having a look earlier on about uh, for our XG kind of for and against. Uh, in the knockout stages, we were just over one and a half um, goals, you know, XG per game. So um, we're a little underperforming XG, which is probably a good sign as the tournament progresses, uh, which is just above average, sorry. So that's, um, you know, for all the kind of negativity about that, that's just above average for the tournament. And then in terms of XG against, we were at 0.5 per game, which is um, second only to Italy. That's positive and maybe not quite as, you know, where the narrative is. And I think a lot of the narrative is around results. So, you know, if you look at the Scotland game, for instance, where the Stones header wasn't there, which came off the post and, uh, you know, Sterling could have had a penalty and, you know, and so on. One of those changes and we win the game one nil. And I think people think about, uh, group stage a lot differently. You know, three wins and people, you know, people have feeling about differently. I mean, I think just closing it off, I think people have short memories and forget that we have to traditionally struggled uh, to get th- out of uh, the group stages of, of most tournaments and we've actually ended up yep. doing fairly well in. So this is not, not uncommon territory. And with regards to some of the early results, I'd like to think actually that the result against the Czech Republic in the group stage now bears a whole new context. Yeah, uh, You know, the, the Czech Republic are, are, are no mugs and they showed that today and uh, and they, you know, very obdurate side and, and very able to, to put, you know, to put themselves about. And they've got some quality in, in Patrick yeah, Schick. Yeah. So, no, I agree. you know, I, agree. I, I, I'd, I have to say, I, I think this is a moment that we are. I think we will beat Germany. I think we will, and I think we'll. I, I don't think we'll. I think the side that could trip us up is going to be a Denmark, mm-hmm. because I'm just not sure how we could handle not just the way that they're so tactically flexible, but I think the emotion would be huge. So they're the side that concern me the most, actually, that we would play before the final. So I've got a couple of final 
points or thoughts. So I think firstly on Kane, I think Kane has also brought some of this pressure on himself by yabbing off 100%. to Gary Neville just before the tournament and bringing all this Absolutely. speculation about his future. Um, and he could have waited for that interview until after the tournament and talked about it then. Um, so I think he brought a lot of that on himself. And the other thing that occurred to me was, and, and this is, you know, it's a Spurs podcast, so I thought I'd bring it back to us. The TV coverage uh, was all around Euro 96, going on and on and on and on about it and how great it was. And it was a tournament we didn't win. And this is the same people who slag off Spurs for enjoying seasons where we finished second or you know, didn't, didn't win the Champions League but enjoyed the run there. We didn't get a trophy. It doesn't count for anything. And then our national broadcasters do exactly the same thing about the England team who haven't won anything for bloody ages. Yeah, yeah, 55 years of hurt. Oh, my word. Uh, and just to, to close it off, Toby and Yan today mm. for Belgium. Mm. I mean, well, we'll forget the other bloke. We'll forget the gooner. I mean, he had a little bit to do with it, I suppose. But let's give it all to Toby and Yan. I mean, what a partnership. How much mm. we miss Super Yan, right? I mean, you know, let's sneak a Spurs question in before we move on to rules. Do you think... Do you think that we maybe let him go too early? No. I didn't at the time. Am I am I being romantic? A little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, I think he he'd faded over the last year and a half and I think it was the right time to let him go. Um, but I'm pleased that I'm I'm pleased that he's doing well both at club and internationally after leaving. I'm ho- I'm a hopeless I'm a hopeless romantic. I just I realized this after like nearly, you know, 45 conscious years of following this game. I'm 54 now, so obviously. So let's say since the age of 9 I've just been a hopeless romantic. I can see this. I don't there's no there's no common sense in my watching football at all. I lo- I loved seeing it today. It was great to see Yan in there digging in and to- but you're both right. I mean it was time, wasn't it? It was time. I agree with that. And so- some players choose to leave at you know choose to leave at the right time. If if we have to watch if we have to watch for Tongan's decline, that's not that's just going to tarnish his his memory, isn't it? It's um yeah okay. Well, let's. I mean, look, it's obvious that we could you know have a relaxed fit chat about this tournament for another half an hour hour plus. Let's bring it to a close. I'm going to impose a rule right now that we should stop talking about the Euros. We've predicted who's going to win it, uh, and uh, in, uh, let's move on to our own rules. The rules that, you know, we're going to bring in. The rules that are going to change football. <laughs> we're each going to propose a rule change to the beautiful game. It can be a rule to the game or competition rules. It can be silly or serious. Um, we will be making a case for our proposed rule change. And then at the end, we will vote on the rule change that we will not only be spamming that golden guardian of our game, Giano Infantino, night and day about, that will raise the hairs on the back of his neck. Oh, oh, sorry, it'll be the single hair that exists on the back of his uh, his neck. I think he's only got one body hair on him. Anyway, uh, I'd like to send him a tin of spam. Come to th- anyway, uh, anyway, I'm waffling. Uh, to kick this section off, we asked you on Twitter for your suggested rule changes, and these are some of the ones that you came up with. There are some pretty good ones. Ten minutes simbin for simulation in penalty area was at fire mission over. Sin bin for 10 minutes for cynical challenges. It was not so skinny Pete. So two people in the same sort of general area there. That stupid offside keep your flag down rule. Someone will be seriously injured before they change this. If they're offside, put the bloody flag up, says Adashard Lorraine. That's actually quite good. Once injury time has commenced, the next time the ball goes out of play, the match is concluded. Same as rugby at fire mission over. At Monkey Magic 62, I have to tell you that your proposal is one that uh, a few of us wrote, actually, and didn't make our final cuts. I would ban coloured boots. 
Boots are black. So we'd all written that. Also, if you boot the ball over the bar needlessly, you should be made to get it while the game goes on. That is brilliant. I love that. <laughs> I think that spiritually that should that should just be implemented as a as be great. Can you, can you imagine like Pierre-Emile Hoivier having to, to run out into the high street to get one of his 25-yard <laughs> yard volleys anyway? And I did like this from at THFC Mitch, which was being able to bring a player back on if you've taken them off like in rugby. Um, last but not least... At Tease Fox, no bald people should be allowed to run football clubs. <laughs> I mean, it made me laugh. Anyway. So, um, okay. So let's get cracking. Milo, why don't you lead us off with your new rule? So my new rule is a 3,000-minute cap on uh, that a player can play for the club in the league during a season. So that's, um, so being a avid vinyl player, collector that's 33 and a third games per season and (laughs) basically you know we've tried to introduce a winter break several times it's we've screwed it up and this way it's rolling you get football all the all the year round but it means that players get a a proper break so and i think it'll be interesting to see manager have to manage that um you know when do you do that uh, over the course of a season could be uh, really interesting. Uh, it would also mean that the squad's got to be used properly, so it would be good for um, fringe players and squad and youth players because they would get more minutes. And yeah, so I think it's, you know, the main thing there is about stopping things like, let's say, Hoybier last season where he effectively played two seasons in one go by playing every game, you know, every game we played and being run into the ground. Um, and it would also stop Leicester winning the league again because they pretty much played unchanged team that season. So, yeah, that's that's my idea. What do you think of that, Awesome? I do like it. I think um, I don't like the idea of a winter break, so I think this is a good mitigating measure to stop that from happening. And, um, yeah, clearly some players will, will benefit more than others. Hoiberg and Kane are the main two that spring to mind. But it, it, it is a squad game and every Premier League club's got, you know, roughly 20 players to, to use at their disposal and some clubs do it better than others. But yeah, anything to avoid a lack of football over Christmas and New Year, I'd, I'd, I'd vote for. I mean, as much as, it, as much as it pains me to admit it, because we put these notes together over the week and I had to send him a reminder last night to say, would you mind sharing your rule change in the notes with all of us rather than holding it close to your chest? Uh, but I have to painfully admit that this is a wonderful suggestion. Um, I, don't, I don't want his head to expand too much at this, but it is. No, it's a great suggestion. I mean, you know, the only, the only thing I, I wonder is who would adjudicate that? Does the Premier League adjudicate that? Do you have to put your, you know, do your statistics get fed into a, a a database and how does that who, who keeps an eye on the numbers so it's commonly available i mean every stat site site going uh, holds it i mean what i what i probably say is that i don't think you'd count uh, added time at the end of a game so if you've played a game it's 90 minutes but if you come off you know in the 70th minute or whatever then that's that that's your contribution that game so but but that data's readily available to record it everyone else is there there's no arguments right. over that but whose responsibility is it to implement is it the club's responsibility or yeah. is it the premier yeah. league's no, was what in terms of managing the minutes yes is there a punishment if you play a player over 3,000 minutes in the Premier League yeah you'd be fielding an ineligible player okay so this becomes a matter for the Premier League really to to watch over as well Mm -hmm. so there would be someone at the Premier League looking over this too and saying Mm -hmm. hang on you've tried to get Harry Kane out for an extra game and uh, it's not going to happen yeah, okay. Yeah. And what's the pu- and and so what punishment do you think would be levied in that situation? I just want to understand the whole circumference. Same as fielding an ineligible player, you'd forfeit the game. Crikey. 
Okay, well, it's good to understand the full circumference of the rule. And uh, I no, I, 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 it's a really good suggestion. Uh, it really is. I, I, I like it. So it'd be really interesting to see when you did it like, tactically. You know, I mean, not, no one's going to want to do it through December and January, are we? When you've got, when you've got so many games going through there. Do you give a load of players September off? Maybe, you know, after this, you know, it's a tournament year. So maybe wow. you would, you know, maybe you would give people, you know, that your international players, you give them August off and uh, try and get it out of the way. But it'd be really interesting to see how you used it. If I was a manager, I would not be trying to do it in block. I'd be doing it when it was necessary because I think one of the things that killed Hoybier's mm-hmm. uh, season for us was there was a moment going into April uh, where he was just dead on his feet. And I really felt that if we could have mm-hmm. sat him down for two weeks, like packed him off yep. to Corfu for a quick break or whatever, it would have been a great thing. I agree with that. But the, the risk is, is then that is you've got all of your first team who you, you get to March and you haven't given anyone a break. So you, you couldn't do that. Well, I think the beauty of your rule is, good lo- good God, is this actually happening in an alternate universe? I'm arguing for why your rule is good. Um, the, the, <laughs> I've tricked God, you. I can't believe the, the reason you have tricked me. I, this is this is this is horrific, actually. Uh, but the reason that it works so well, I think, is that different players have different physiologies yeah, no, and different true. meters, and they go, and you've yeah. got a good squad. So yes, if I can argue the case for your rule to actually mm-hmm. be decent, it is a really good rule. Good God, that felt dirty, actually. Um, awesome. So uh, we take our votes on it now. One, two, three. Yep. <laughs> oh, Wrap this up. Awesome, early, please. Early night. Please help me. Help me here. I can't believe it. I've been fighting his corner for him. It's a sneaky trick. <laughs> I've got a suggestion that, that I suppose is born out of the dislike of uh, players wasting time at the end of games, generally around the 80th minute mark. And you've just got the, the going down for any old, you know, any old little brush from another player and you, you waste a minute. The amount of games that just peter out, whether it's Champions League or Premier League or international, it doesn't seem to matter. A lot of good games can just peter out after the 80th minute due to feigning of injury. And I think one way of addressing that is to say that if you're down and saying that you're seriously enough injured to need um, physios coming on the pitch, etc., then you do need to leave the field of play for whether it's 90 seconds or two minutes, something to make you think twice about it. Yeah, I think it, it's no, a I want, fairly no, no, easy I, fix. I want a firm implementation here. Uh, come on, you're, this is your rule. <laughs> if you, come on, lay the law down. None of this, none of this early morning Australian prevarication. Lay the law down. And I know I, you're not Australian. I'm sorry to say that. I just enjoyed the alliteration. Um, come on, lay the law down. That is it. 30, two 30 minutes, seconds two or minutes. longer, and you're off for 90 seconds. I like the idea of 90 seconds. Um, so you're basically <laughs> wasting a minute of your time. It's enough to make you think about it. Okay. Yeah, go on. Milo, what's your reaction? So how do you differentiate between um, a genuine injury and not? And don't you run the risk of penalising people who've been legitimately injured? I was trying to think about the worst case repercussions of this. I was thinking that you might actually crank up the, the physical aggression, you know, to try and test people's uh, resolve against a, a reducer. Look, the, the devil's always in the detail with these things, but... There are a lot of there are a lot of pathetic there are a lot of pathetic injury um, milking situations and yeah look if you but the thing is if you do get hurt you need your ninety seconds how do you tell the difference but we'll so, never know I mean I would so I I would so I think that there's a risk then that we end up um, penalising players who've been injured so I mean I would say that. Um, 
the tactical foul is probably a, a greater issue with kind of disrupting play at the end. I mean, there's all sorts of time wasting, isn't there? I mean, I have to say, I think it's an excellent uh, thing to highlight. And I think there's definitely some latitude in this in this particular rule. I mean, personally, I would have extended your 90 seconds to two minutes. But I mean, I, I, I do like I like the fact that we try and come up with something that dissuades people from flopping to the floor or doing like three rolls when they've been you know breathed upon from behind. You know, it's and, embarrassing. And I, I do... It is embarrassing, and I suppose that really that the objective here is to sort. As you said, it's you're, you're wasting your own time. I mean, first and foremost, it's most important that they get mm. off the pitch, and so that's that's going to be that that that's that would be the only place I could see where this is going to be tough is that you've physically got to get them off the pitch, or maybe you just play around them. <laughs> maybe you should just play around them. Put some cones around them and just play around them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Going off the pitch is used as a time-wasting thing as well, though, isn't it? And so one of the things that I thought, to so say the um, the Portugal-Belgium game tonight, the, in the first half, uh, Lukaku was uh, running through on goal and he was pulled back and he stayed on his feet and ran on and then didn't get the free kick. And... Um, I think refs not using advantage, so not going back to a challenge like that, encourages players to go down. And, you know, I think the other one that uh, immediately sp- sprung to mind when we were, when I was thinking about this was the game at West Ham last season where Reggie was, um, Susek ran through him, didn't he? And Reggie got back up again. And they went on and scored. And Antonio went on and scored from that. And uh, Reggie should have stayed down. He should have been screaming. So I think by refs not giving decisions where players don't make a big fuss about it, it almost kind of encourages this. And I think, so I think it, it kind of goes two ways. We need, I, I'd like to see, and this isn't, <laughs> isn't one of our suggestions, but I'd like to see a situation where players didn't have to go to ground in order to get a decision going their way and advantage was used so that you'd go back and actually penalise um, a, a, a foul. Um, if an advantage didn't result in, you know, in a decent chance, which doesn't happen very often. But I mean, I do think once again, uh, I think awesome. Your 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 rule does absolutely highlight that there is a need to find a solution to the way people use, you know, the Fosbury flop or whatever you want to call it as a tactic to play out the last ten minutes of a football match. I, you know, and to be fair, the Euros haven't been Euros haven't been blighted by this yet. Um, I wonder whether it's going to come now that we're at the, the knockout knockout stage. I tell you what, though, if England are one nil up on the 89th minute and um, someone goes down, clutching their face, rolling around on the floor, screaming, I'll be cheering them on. You do bring the point that you know. I mean, this is exactly what Lamella did at Old Trafford, and nobody mm-hmm. was prepared to criticise that. I thought it was shocking myself, but nobody's prepared anyway. But uh, <sighs> there's a rule that suddenly come to mind, and it ties it ties us all into Euros and rules and everything. I think it should be just a no Pepe rule. That should just be a standard rule for football worldwide. No Pepe. No mm-hmm. Pepe anywhere. Anyway, that's not a rule that I was going well, to suggest. I mean, Spain <laughs> effectively did something very similar with their own Pepe, which is Ramos, isn't it? I mean, Sergio Ramos wasn't he's, taken there. They, they took Ramos less... is not at Pepe's level, though, is he? Pepe is next level. Spain took less players to the tournaments. They didn't take Ramos. <laughs> well, that just goes to show that, that Portugal has a lower bar. <laughs> 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 anyway, sorry, I'm throwing us off course. And uh, uh, oh, 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 look, it's my turn. Oh, <laughs> um, all right, here's mine. <laughs> Do you like that little smug grin? It's my <laughs> turn. I would like to refine VAR so as it is used on a challenge basis. And uh, I take this actually from American sports quite tragically but I do like the way they do it in the NFL where the coaches get challenge get a coaches challenge and my suggestion would be that each team gets one challenge per half and that is that you know if you feel that 
there was an offside in the build up to a goal against you, mm. um, or if you feel there wasn't an offside in a goal that you scored, or if you feel there was a penalty that you were denied, or if you feel that you did not concede a penalty, any of these decisions, you can via the fourth official and your own specially designated VAR expert immediately challenge the decision. If you are successful with your challenge, you get to keep your challenge for that half. I should explain there is one challenge per half. If you are unsuccessful, you lose it. And that frankly for me is the only way I would like to see VAR used in football. And I realise that by saying that I am chalking off uh, two of our greatest moments ever and moments that I actually enjoyed on on on, on DVR last week again uh, with, a, with a, a couple of glasses of wine and a few tears shed. Uh, so I, I, I appreciate that it's it's sort of cutting my own nose to spite my face in a way, but I am absolutely sick of this millimetre implementation of VAR. It absolutely drives me crackers. And I know that we're going to disagree on that. And that is as is. I I just, these offsides for like a millimetre or like, you know, half a toe of a boot, just this madness. And so I think I'd like to place the onus for this sort of stuff on the teams themselves. If you feel that you've played an offside to that specification and it's going, you get to challenge. So uh, if, yeah, Let's return, as I said in my notes, some of the ethical spirit and ethos to the game whilst utilising technology. Um, chaps, I throw it open for your uh, praise and unanimous voting. Uh, that is uh, absolutely, obviously going to be your criticism and ripping it apart. I like it. I like, I like the... It works well in cricket, the kind of captain's challenge rule. You get two per innings. I don't know enough about US sports to know how well it works in NFL, but I, I, I like the way you're kind of reducing the amount of VAR opportunity but still still making it have a potentially huge impact on a on a game because if those central defenders are the ones who decide to make a you know make a challenge for one that they're sure they've caught a guy offside um and it's been ignored by the ref do you, do you still lose it if you're right i think that's maybe one little no. tinkering that if if you're found to be correct you it stays intact yeah let me let me it's clear you get one challenge per half if you have a successful challenge whichever mm. way your whichever way the direction of the toss is uh you get to keep your challenge and mm. you get to use another one so yeah. technically you could call three four challenges in a half so it's a rolling keep challenge. Getting as long as they're right. all right yeah no yes, I like but if it you don't lot. get it right if you get the first one wrong you lose it for the rest for, for the rest of the half and that's that's actually to dissuade you from just like oh i'm going to challenge this because i can it's like oh you better think about it because then you might have one that's really obvious mm. um and, and does it have I, to come from the players that, or does it come from the coach no no, Only it comes from the, coach. from the coaching staff and it comes to the coaching staff. And I think you would have a des- someone who's designated to advise the coach immediately uh, or the manager. You'd have someone on the bench saying, uh, I would dispute that strongly if I were you. Yeah. And what they do in the NFL, which uh, again, I'm not suggesting that maybe do this. It's got to be another way. In the NFL, they actually throw, a, 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 I mean, they did the Yellow last flag. time, they throw a little red flag or whatever oh, yeah. it is onto the field, which is brilliant. It's, so, it's, 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 it's wonderfully analog in such a digital game. Having said that, the fourth official's there for a reason, but I know that Milo is busted to get in on this so so on you go mate go on i'm interested in your take so i think um i think in terms of far if you look at how it's used in i mean in the euros so far actually it's been pretty inobtrusive and in a lot of other leagues it is as well so um i think it's wrong to just look at it as how it's currently implemented in the premier league and then base it all on that i think that it would be abused so that managers would 
put in frivolous challenges late in games in order to disrupt play and disrupt the momentum of other sides. And I think the other thing that's different about football as opposed to cricket or maybe some American sports is that a lot of decisions are uh, marginal 50-50. So if you take, for instance, the Czech Republic-Netherlands game this evening, if Czech Republic had used their challenge earlier in the game and had, you know, on a 50-50 challenge, the decision had gone against them and then you had the um, player brought down at the handball and they had, you know, the ref didn't give that initially. They would have lost the benefit of that. So I I think that VAR's there to try and improve decision-making and I don't think that should be dependent on, you know, your challenge or what have you. I I think football's different from those games in that it's not black and white. It's it's, uh, quite often uh, decisions of judgment. So there's very, very good reasons why you could make a challenge, but you might not get it. So just to, to push back on your point of abusing, uh, you know, using it near the end of the game as an abusive as an abuse of power, so to speak, to break up the game. Yes, you could frivolously use it, but if you frivolously use your one challenge that you save throughout the uh, whole of the second half for the final ten minutes and want to use it to try and chop up a game, it's only going to be frivolous if you get it wrong. And if you get it wrong, then you've lost it. And if, but if you get it right then it's great because you're just going to the VAR system, which will adjudicate anyway. No, I mean, what I'm saying in that instance, Steph, is if you've got a VAR challenge left and it's the 89th minute and the other team's piling pressure on you, then managers will use it in order to break that up. That's what I'm saying. Right. I think that the only place that I would agree with you and your criticism of my fantastic rule, which should win but probably won't, is that uh, it has been uh, it's been really well implemented in the Euros. You're absolutely right. It's been of minimal obstruction. But I mean, I do have to go back to one that I think the VAR call that just stuns me every time I watch it is the one is is the one against us that Man City scored in the quarterfinal. I mean, for the life of me, I'd like to find one person who can tell me that they would have called that goal as offside without VAR. I don't think there's a... I, I, if anyone wants to hit us on Twitter or, or Instagram or any of our social media, I'd love to. Can you honestly tell me that that goal would have been disallowed without VAR? And and again, I'm going against everything uh, by suggesting the, you know this rule because, of course, we would be out of the Champions League and I would never have got to experience a Champions League final. But I did think it was the harshest and most ludicrous decision. Having run the line a few times, it's bloody impossible to try to look in two places at the same time. So yeah, I have yeah, a certain... You know, I, I, that's what it's there for. I don't, anyway. I, don't have, I don't have an issue with that. I mean, I'd like to point out, Steph, that you've been advocating for my suggestion all the way through this. So, I mean, you, you know, we've argued during the week that you wanted you wanted two bites of the cherry on this, and, and by hook or crook, you've got that. <laughs> well, I, look, I don't know about two bites of cherry or hooks and crooks or any of these other cliches you're throwing out. The sad fact is that it looks like, and unless you know, Awesome and I have conspired behind your back to, to completely rumble you in this final, you know, which... Uh, the game is about glory rule. Are we going to send to uh, Infantino? It does, you know, uh, awesome. Are we are we sadly agreeing that uh, that uh, is there a, a hint of tragedy in a bidding that yes, he's Hoiberg right. needs His a rest. Rule is the best one. <laughs> yeah, Hoiberg needs a rest. And Kane, yeah. and Kane, and Kane. Yeah. Okay. Well, Kane gets one every I, I, season I, thanks to his <laughs> weak ankles, but um, he's not hitting three thousand minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just, oh, you know, let's just, let's just, you know, let's, I, let's, let's suffer nobly. Let's do it with dignity and, 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 and a sense of maturity. And I like to think of myself as a mature individual, even though this is going to hurt me tremendously. Um, uh, I vote for Milo's. Yeah. Just in the awesome. interest of not having a split decision, I'll vote for Milo's as well. <laughs> Milo, who are you voting for? Oh, Milo's the best, the best suggestion. <laughs> and, there, and there we are. 
with the humility and with the humility and generosity of spirit that we have come to love him for, he has absolutely underscored the, uh, the that his own rule is the best one, and it is. And once again, why don't you read out the rule that we're going to send to Mister Infantino, and uh, and you can you can enjoy the glory, glory of the new rule for next season. Um, well, players are limited to 3,000 minutes a season in the Premier League. Um, I, I would say, actually, there's quite a few of the Twitter ones that I would have voted for over mine, actually. I thought there's some really good ones in there. Go on, throw a couple in. <laughs> uh, which ones Which ones haven't we done? We can go back to ones we've done. It doesn't matter. No, I, I, I let overseas refs officiate in the English football. Our refs are shit from Fraser Adam. I thought that was a good one. Um, <laughs> Geraint t- is it said, uh, the take one for the team foul where they stop a fastest counter-attack. I'd love to see a red card for that. I think that's a good one. So, yeah, anyway, there were some really good ones. And what I would say is actually um, awesome. There were lots of people who were talking about sin bins and particularly for simulation. So there was quite a lot of um, the Twitterati agreed with you. Mm, It's a really fine line, isn't it, between tinkering with a game that is beautifully simple in essence. But Mm. I think some some tinkering does need to be done. And it's, Mm. you know, it's the organisers or it's the game's right to continually approve. Um, I think one of the best examples of tinkering and it was such an obvious one was the goal line technology. Like we, you know, you've got your Mendezes. I was in Bloemfontein when, when Lampard, uh, you know, hit the bar and it bounced over a good foot over Neuer's line. I, I was watching it, you know, firsthand and thinking, how the hell was that not spotted by the linesman? And, That's you know, ludicrous. immediate change in the game and there's just no doubting it anymore. And if they could do mm. the same thing with offside, I think it'd be brilliant. I think it's it's difficult, yeah. but not impossible. Agree. I, I do wonder whether they could do that with... Um... VR, so whether you you know you got cameras from all angles, whether you could actually have a computer simulation where all the players are and you'd know immediately. I do. Well, sensors in the sensors in the sh- in the shirt and boots. Um, mm. yeah, you yeah. know, just yeah. to let the computer or the algorithm just do it all. There is no. I agree with everything that you guys are saying. I think it would be nice to see offside uh, revised. And you're right, awesome. The, the the goal line technology was was an absolutely brilliant piece of uh, of, of of technological uh, advancement for the game. And 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 really, yeah, we'd like to see that sort of. A advance happen i agree with that there's one on twitter that came through that i have to say i forgot to read out and it's really good and it's from at it's the real deej and uh, I, I, this is actually a brilliant one and this wouldn't cut into anything we're doing it's the real deej said a referee league table for errors you relegate refs and to mic refs up i i like mm. both of those you know mm. i think that you know it would be nice for refs to explain maybe at the var situation what's going on just to say that would be good. Little I'd American, like I appreciate that, but I do like the league table for errors. I think Rugby Union great. have the the mic'd up refs, and I think it would impray, improve mm. the behaviour of the uh, the players themselves, and and provide fans with just better insight into what's what's going on on the pitch. It's a, that's another no brainer well, to me. Yeah, yeah, because the people in the studio haven't got the foggiest. <laughs> no, absolutely it's true speaking of uh people down at the foggiest uh, a couple of the mine that didn't make the cut and i don't know if you guys have any that didn't but i'm going to throw in a couple of rules that didn't even get anywhere premiership and uefa delegates are required to count the amount of tuneful original songs from each set of supporters and at the end of the season in the event of goal difference being tied to separate those teams by virtue of those with the better fan song number uh get their team higher up the table uh, you could even get into who's you know is more in tune. I think that that is a way to improve the game. Uh, seriously, and this is a serious rule. I do think I'd like to see financial fair play enforced properly. Um, and then there's another one here, lads, which I'll throw in really quickly because it was going to be one that we discussed. Uh, allowing safe standing, yeah. which I'm unequivocally in favour of. Mm-hmm. It yeah, seems absolutely. like it's coming yeah. back, doesn't it? You know, they're designing stadiums yeah. now to have that option. Yeah, and 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 awesome. 
I hate to say it, I hope he doesn't hear me say this because I'm sure he put this in. Clubs who issue hand clappy things to fans be forced to play games behind closed doors. I completely agree with that. And by God, I know he wrote that in. You know he did as well, don't you? It's two agreements in the same pod. I can't believe myself, but it is absolutely true. They are the worst, aren't they? Darude Sandstorm can probably, uh, that should probably cost a couple of points as well. I do think that playing music after you scored a goal should mean you forfeit a goal. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I agree with that. There we have it. We will be writing to FIFA, UEFA, the Premier League, the FA uh, and the Dorset Echo. He's been at it again. He's snuck in and added the Dorset Echo and the Dorset Echo demanding that this rule change be invented immediately. But yeah, and again... It was one of these conversations that we could have gone on and on and on with. Uh, you know, so many suggestions. And as a matter of fact, I wanted us to vote four or six or eight rules. But poor old Milo would have been uh, left editing this into the uh, wee small hours, which he probably already is anyway. Although, really, Milo, in truth, you can edit this down to three words. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> that means you were right, not me or not awesome. But anyway, great suggestions. And, and I do have to say, once again, I thought that your suggestion was quite seriously. I think it's really good. And I, I think... As a, as a matter of, of, of just actually humanity as well as common sense, I'd love to see it implemented. Even if it isn't an official rule, I really, you'd like to think that someone somewhere is listening and would think, you know, that's not a bad idea. So no, let's no, no one's listening. It's just us three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks a lot, lads. That was great. Uh, there's more to come. Let's hope the Euros continue to provide us with as much entertainment uh, as they have. And let's hope that the, you know, let's hope our rule change gets in. So, or more to the point, Milo's rule change gets in. So, thanks very much, uh, Awesome. Thanks very much, Milo. Cheers, See you later, guys. Okay, we'll be back throughout the summer with a series of specials. Uh, as you can see, we're trying to put out an episode a week. And uh, actually, I think we've exceeded that. Uh, I think there was, I think there were two in one week. Wow. So we're actually exceeding our expectations and uh, you can look forward to more as the summer goes on. Uh, And in the meantime, if you like what you're hearing, continue to dig through the archives and you'll find oral treasures to make your summer holidays even more magical than they already hopefully are. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a hello, a follow and say hello. And if you like the pod, please share it on all your social media outlets. It'd be a big help. And we'll buy you a drink to say thanks the next time we bump into you at the lane. That last bit might not be true, but we'll try and stand up to it. Anyway, as always, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.